Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from legal innovators. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Practice Boomers, Practice Viewer, and Practice Pipeline, the leading business development pipeline management tool for law firms. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today I'm here with Aaron Mazaros, the Chief Client Service Officer at Eversheds Sutherland, and Anusha Gillespie, the Director of Innovation at Eversheds Sutherland. Uh, Aaron, Anusha, great to have you with us. Great to be here. Thanks, David. We're looking forward to the conversation. So Erin has over 25 years of experience in the industry. She's a frequent speaker on the topic of client service, eager to hear some of her comments as the lead of her department. And Anusha started off as a real estate finance attorney turned consultant, most recently at Harvard, and now with a full-time role at Evershed Sutherland, focusing on an analytical approach to law firm innovation. So we're going to focus on Anusha's role as the director of innovation at the firm. Aaron, tell us a little bit about the process of filling this director of innovation role. Not every firm has one of these, and I imagine there was a bit of a road to travel to get to this point. Absolutely, David. And it's an interesting road because sometimes you have an end in sight and a goal you need to meet, but you can't get there with a straight line. And I think that's the approach that we took here with this director of innovation position in our firm. Uh, I met Anusha through a speaking engagement over a year ago. And as she spoke on the panel and also continued to dialogue with me after the panel um, throughout just engagement of emails and telephone conversations, we both saw an opportunity to be able to take the firm forward around a new view and with a new lens to what innovation might mean in the market. She had such a unique background that we thought bringing her on board in our senior management would really help catapult us in the right direction. As you can imagine, with senior leadership in a law firm being mostly lawyers, um, those lawyers did not grasp that concept nearly as quickly as Anusha and I did whenever we met. And so we had to take a path that was not a straight line to the director of innovation, but we looked at what was the skill set that Anusha had that could fill something at the firm currently. And there was an opening that I was looking at for growth and integration. And she definitely had a lot of the skill set that we needed to help streamline what we wanted to do around growth and integration, the best path forward to get her in the firm so that we could achieve the later position of director of innovation was to bring her in through that growth and integration avenue. It sounds like a lot of thinking and work went into this, Erin, and I can appreciate why, as you mentioned, this is not one of those positions that law firms typically have on the traditional list of roles to fill. Sounds like you did some innovating of your own just to get this to happen. Anusha, tell us a little bit about the kinds of research and reframing that you found necessary as you started into this role. The first reframing that I had to do was around my title because I came in as growth and integration and then once everyone was on board, moved into innovation and so had to clarify around some confusion of, I thought you were doing integration, now this is innovation and around my skill set in that way. And the way that I reframed the skill set and the function was to say, 
the integration program and our growth is unprecedented in the goals that we have. And so I needed to develop a integration program and plan where it didn't exist before from a growth perspective. And so I was developing something new. And that is the capability that I've developed in my career is to develop programs, functions, policies where there's no blueprint in existence. And so that's the link into innovation. So the first reframing that I had to do was around myself. Uh, and then secondly, it was around what is innovation because some conversations would start with the word innovation and people immediately talking about legal technology. And I'd have to back up and say, uh, actually, the way that we're thinking about and approaching innovation is much broader than that. Let's talk about business challenges, business priorities, and think about creative solutions to that. And that's the reframing um, around innovation. And the research that went into that was looking out into the market and saying, okay, what is the confusion around innovation? It seems that there's a lot of noise, that people aren't talking about it uh, in the same way or even in the right way. And so if we step back, what are the broader sources of challenge and opportunity that we can work within to develop better, creative, innovative solutions to existing challenges? Uh, and those broader functions and areas are, uh, as, as we define them and as we see them, uh, number one, data, number two, business models, and number three, thought leadership. And then within those areas, technology, mostly software, can be part of the solution. Operations, other changes in legal services can be part of the solution, but isn't necessarily the broader area that we should work within in developing those solutions. Sounds like a lot of thought and pioneering here going into uh, crafting this role, selling it internally, uh, figuring out exactly how we're going to educate everyone on what we're doing and, and how we're thinking about it. I imagine there were some challenges along the way. How has this proven to be more difficult, perhaps, than you anticipated? I think the learning as we go um, in that innovation and the way that we've rolled it out hasn't fit into a standard prescription. For example, uh, typically internal communications would be a way to roll out a new function, a new initiative that we could include in our various um, internal communication channels. In this instance, that wasn't going to work because we needed to do so much reframing and uh, education that I needed to get in front of everyone and have them understand this function and become a champion one by one. Uh, so there wasn't a button that we could press to just formalize the function and get everyone on board. Uh, it's been much more one by one and, and that's just challenging because in the initial stages, I have to get in front of people and uh, persuade them that, that this is the right way to approach innovation and that it's a necessary function at the firm. And, and David, I, I think that that probably has what has made for the success of getting this position's buy-in because we did not make it a top-down. By bringing her in 
uh, you know, under a title of integration and growth. And then as she was able to identify and work with champions in the firm who really were innovative leaders, switching that role over to that director of innovation and her continuing those conversations and building that from the ground up is how she has been able to really make this stick within the law firm and get that buy-in so that we can see, you know, the fruits of her labor benefiting not only us, but our clients. So can you give me some examples of some of the projects that you're working on? You mentioned that you've divided innovation into a few buckets. I believe you said data and thought leadership. Talk to us a little bit about uh, maybe a project or two that fall within these unique categories. Sure. And uh, just stepping back briefly, the way that we're defining innovation, uh, which informs those areas, is as focused and creative change in service to our clients. And that definition is deliberately broad in scope and client-oriented. And within the areas that we find client value, client impact, essentially our research and development pipeline, a lot of it is internal right now but with a focus towards value for clients. And it's internal as part of the awareness um, within the firm to show this is what success looks like in innovation, and now we're going to go do it for your clients. Um, So within the areas, and some examples in the research and development pipeline right now, in the area of data, I'm working with the tax group and um, an external vendor fast case on their artificial intelligence sandbox. And we have worked uh, to train and um, develop software in artificial intelligence based on our tax group's logic to develop a tax scoreboard that tracks taxpayer wins and losses throughout the country um, that informs the legal advice and service that our tax group is able to give because uh, it essentially is predictive analytics on different jurisdictions and how favorable they are to the taxpayer. And this is something that already had a use case and proven successful and that the tax group does this manually now. Uh, But by using artificial intelligence and automating the function, we have a more comprehensive set of data um, and, of course, isn't as much manual labor. So that's a win in our uh, data area now. Uh, in terms of business model, uh, something that's in development now is around succession planning, which uh, in business models, it's essentially what are we doing with our talent um, and how are we using talent to better provide services? And succession planning uh, can be part of that. And so we are working to develop an institutionalized succession planning in a more robust way. Uh, so that would be an area in business models. So both of those projects really harken back to the way that you're defining innovation, which I'm going to say one more time. I really like the way that you articulated that focused and creative change in service to our clients. Uh, I can see how this would provide a real competitive advantage, especially around the first project that you described, uh, so that you know clients of Evershed Sutherland uh, would receive more than just traditional legal services, and you know then why would they go anywhere else? They're getting uh, a level of innovative thinking that is hard to find in the industry otherwise. So this starts to really come into focus as 
not just something that you're doing uh, for its own sake, although there is some certainly some merit to that, but really tying that back into the the firm's business model and helping the lawyers in particular understand, you know, why are we doing this exactly? Uh, so that makes sense. Talk to me a little bit about your benchmarks for success. How do we know that this is working? How do we know that the director of innovation role uh, is actually paying off for the firm? We presented uh, some key performance indicators at the executive committee level um, and have sign-off that is measuring uh, activity at the beginning while we have to generate this function uh, and ideas and development, and then eventually output. So at the beginning, it's activity of number of ideas month over month, number of lawyers engaged month over month, and then ultimately number of clients engaged. And then from there, number of ideas selected for funding as a proxy for quality and other output measurements as we develop more solutions. And David, I think that's an important piece is that folks need to realize that while you'd like to have a dollar amount defining your metrics, it's not always about the dollar. And so while you hope that's a benefit in the end that you are helping to drive revenue, I think it's important that folks understand that clients and the attorneys themselves are benefiting and making sure that we keep that top of mind. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Another example of your strategic navigation of uh, the firm's dynamics and, you know, smart championing on your behalf. So that's great. Anusha, I want to come back to you and talk a little bit about a fundamental challenge that is tied to innovation whenever it comes up in conversation, especially on this podcast. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break here to hear about our product sponsor. So today's program is brought to you by Practice Viewer, which is a business intelligence platform for law firms that gives you real-time visibility into your data. We've been talking a lot about data and the important role that it has in innovation. You have to know what you're dealing with before you can start innovating around it. Practice Viewer eliminates cumbersome spreadsheets and helps you make cleaner reports to management and smarter decisions for the firm. So back to you, Anusha. Uh, tell us a little bit about this issue, I know you know what I'm talking about, that can often come up when law firms start to get too enamored with the concept of innovation. Erin actually mentioned uh, a bit of this before the break in terms of level setting. And I had to do some level setting around avoiding the shiny new toy syndrome and tendency to get distracted or just want to buy something that seems innovative and step back and think of innovation as a function of the firm and not something that you can just go buy, implement, and then maybe it fizzles out. To do that, I actually developed a two-page overview of Peter Drucker's HBR article from 1985 on innovation called the discipline of innovation. Within each example, he identifies the seven areas for innovation. And within each example, I tied that to law and provided an example of here's what Drucker says is an area of innovation and here's how it applies to your practice or might apply. My reason for doing that was to say that innovation as a function has been around and talked about by Peter Drucker, the founder of Modern Management, since 1985. This isn't something new. This isn't a shiny new object. The market 
conditions are new and they're accelerating the need for formalized function of innovation, but this concept of innovation is not new. Another way to avoid the, the shiny new toy syndrome is any ideas that are in the research and development pipeline, making sure that they're always tied to a specific challenge is just put out there and maybe it's a good idea, but it's not actually solving a problem. Chances are it won't stick. And also to the firm's overall growth objectives and strategy to ensure that it fits within the firm's focus. I imagine that you are having to take audience quite often from lawyers who have a cool idea, talking about this shiny new toy syndrome, that they think we really ought to invest in. Or maybe they have read an article somewhere about another firm that's doing something that sounds pretty innovative, and and we ought to be doing that. Why aren't we doing that? So what percentage of your time do you find yourself pitching innovative ideas that are researched and have the advantage of your experience and background and and, and kind of a, a thoughtful penciling out of how it might work and what the results might be and how we might tie KPIs to it? Versus fielding pitches, which I imagine are probably a little more like wild ideas that are coming your way uh, that you may have to, in some cases, even, you know, discourage. It's a bit fuzzy to define, but if I had to put a number on it, I would say about 75% pitching and 25% fielding. The reason I say it's a bit fuzzy to define is that the 25% fielding, what I would put in that is those ideas that are already completely mature, thought through, maybe even a business case around it, about 25%. 75% pitching doesn't mean that I'm necessarily generating the idea. It might mean that I've heard seeds of an idea from multiple people, and I'm working to pull them all together into a concept that has more applicability across different practice groups, across the firm, or I'm taking the seed of someone's idea uh, and using it in various conversations within the firm and building upon it, essentially crowdsourcing feedback um, and additional insights to maybe create a better idea that then I'm going to the executive committee to pitch for funding um, or things like that. I do think that's an important piece that you mentioned about the the shiny toy. And I, and I think the person who is in this role has to understand that they need to separate the noise, but at the same time, they need to respect the people and the ideas that are being brought to them. And that point Anusha makes about her being able to hear things in different places and then piece that together, I think it allows people, even if they have a shiny toy uh, disease, that they are still bringing and feel free to bring those ideas to her because they know that she is really vetting and looking at what is best for the clients and what are the opportunities in this innovative space. I can't encourage people enough to make sure that they're not shutting down ideas, even if it's not the idea that they think will be effective in that moment. Because the whole key here is that piece of getting communication and collaboration. And with Anusha at the heart of this, she's able then to bring forth what is best for the clients and what is best to move this firm forward. Well, I'm sure in the job description, the word diplomacy was not necessarily included. However, that is a key component 
to success in this role. Because as you say, Aaron, so much of this is collaborative. And Anusha, you alluded to it as well, uh, making sure that the, the kernel of these ideas are given their, their due. And perhaps even in some instances, credit is given where it wasn't entirely due. But at the end of the day, who cares if it means that the innovation uh, will be successful by sharing some of the credit and by ensuring that people who came to you with an idea, even though you'd already heard it 10 times, uh, get some, some acknowledgement for having contributed to the innovation, then so be it. That's all part of the process. You know, many of our listeners are going to be uh, thinking at this point, gosh, you know, we do everything sort of by the book at our firm and things are pretty traditional around here in terms of thinking and approach. And I'd certainly love to introduce some innovation uh, into the firm. The firm may not be ready for a director of innovation, but what would you advise marketing leaders who uh, would like to move the needle at least a little bit uh, in the direction that you have taken some significant ground? I think even disguising the term innovation, which is essentially what we did, we we really looked at growth and integration under the guise of what we wanted to do in that space to be innovative. And so, even if you don't term it director of innovation, if you have a project that you believe will differentiate you and will move your firm forward, don't get hung up on it needs to be done by a person with the title of director of innovation. You can show innovation without using that term. Think of what you need to accomplish and see how you can get that done within your firm and then move later if you think it needs to be changed to innovation down that path. That makes a lot of sense, Aaron. Anusha, how about you? What comments would you have or takeaways would you have for our audience who might be looking to move the needle toward innovation, whether it's labeled as such or whether it's the way that you defined it, focused and creative change in service to our clients? My takeaway would be for those thinking about stepping into an innovation function or something like it, um, however it wants to be defined, but a new function at a firm moving innovation forward, just to have frank conversations up front to understand what they're stepping into and make sure that they have a champion at the firm. Uh, Aaron was my champion here, and it would not have um, been this successful this quickly without her. So, Um, Make sure that you've had those conversations and you have that champion in place to ensure the success of the role um, and your reputation and your role at the firm. Well, it's clear that uh, Aaron has been your champion. And after hearing you talk a little bit about what you're doing and how you're doing it, I can see why. I really applaud the collaboration. That word came up earlier that the two of you are demonstrating, not only in ensuring that there is innovation at Evershed Sutherland, but also uh, even in the way that it is woven together, you're practicing what you preach. So my hat off to you both. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today and some of the projects that you're working on. And you're really a voice of encouragement and ultimately an inspiration to so many firms out there who see this as part of their future, hopefully the near future. Thanks to you both again for uh, sharing your thoughts today. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com.